Heavenly Father, we do recognise that you're a merciful God and we see your mercy at work in our lives day by day. And One of the ways that we see your mercy is by your speaking to sinful creatures like ourselves. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving it to us in a tongue that we can understand. Lord, we pray that you would help us to comprehend the things here. May we not simply hear the word, but may we listen to what you have to say and put it into practice. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we come now once again to a passage that we've been working through. Uh, We had a bit of a break over the Christmas period uh, from it. But we've come to that passage, Hebrews chapter 11, which is about the faith of God's people. Hebrews chapter 10 ends with this uh, proclamation that God's people are people who live by faith. Quoting from Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, it tells us that the righteous will live by faith in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. And then the author has gone on in Hebrews chapter 11 to show us what that faith actually looks like. And he has been showing us from basically church history or early church history, uh, going right back to Genesis and showing how people lived by faith uh, throughout Genesis. And now we've come to the next book of the Bible, the second book of the Bible, which is Exodus, as the author reviews one of the key people in church history, and that is the man Moses. Moses, who is very familiar to many of us because we at least know the story of him as a baby, being put in a little basket in the river and then being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. But what we often don't consider is that that is just the beginning of Moses' life and that he went on to do many other things later on. And one of the big things that he did, which then set a tone for the rest of his life, was the way that he chose to live by faith in God. He was raised in the Pharaoh's household with royalty But he chose to reject the gods of Egypt and to follow the God of his people, of the Israelites. And he faced many consequences for that action. For living by faith in the God of Hebrews, he faced many consequences for those actions. And we see some of those listed for us in the passage that we've just had read to us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, we see a few things that happened to Moses as a result of the faith that he had in God. So I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible before you, open it up to Hebrews chapter 11, which is found on page 1192, 1192, and we're going to look at Moses and the consequences for his faith in God and how he endured such consequences, because the consequences that he received were painful ones. Firstly, we see that he lost prestige. He lost honour by identifying with God's people, by living by faith. And we see that in verse 24. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, we read, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, which means he lost honour, he lost prestige in the land. He would have been considered royalty if he'd been known as Pharaoh's daughter. And that would be a great privilege to be, to be known as royalty. It is very special. Even if you don't have a lot of wealth, it is still wonderful to know that you are part of royal blood. 
and one day you may inherit the wealth that is due to you because of your royal status. But Moses chose to be someone who was not recognised as Pharaoh's daughter. And he didn't just do it for a brief period and then go back to that royal status. No, he chose that for the rest of his life. I like those movies where, uh, or stories where someone who is royal, they take on ordinary clothes and they go and live amongst the people for a time. Uh, there's different movies that do this, and I love those, where people interact with royalty thinking that that person is just an ordinary person. But then later in the movie, the person is revealed as a princess or a prince. Uh, one of the classics for this is Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn uh, and Gregory Peck, and Gregory Peck thinks that she's just an ordinary girl, but it turns out she's actually a princess. And the way that she is suddenly treated once it's understood that she's royalty, it's marvellous. And we would like to be treated that way. And Moses could have been treated that way. But instead, what did he do? By choosing to live by faith, by choosing the God of Israel, he refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And of course, coming with that was the fact that he was then mistreated along with the other Israelites. It was not like he chose to be part of the common people and everything would be okay. He loses some things by not being royal. No, he chose to be identified with people who were slaves. And we see that in verse 25 and verse 26. It says, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Here we see that by becoming someone who is not royal, he was then mistreated. He didn't just go down to the level of common people. No, he went down to slave level. And not just ordinary slave level, slaves who are very well treated. No, if you read Exodus, you see that the Israelites were not treated very well even as slaves. Some slaves in history are treated very well. And for some people, that's just part of the common working class for some kingdoms. But here we see the Israelites were under hard labor as slaves. And that was the level that Moses was choosing to go down to. He was willing to be hurt with the people of God as he lived by faith. And as he did that, he then, of course, lost not just royal status, but the treasures of Egypt that were available to him. He was raised in Pharaoh's household, and that meant that he had available to him the luxuries of Egypt. That's not as though Egypt was a little kingdom that didn't have much wealth. No, every school child, I think even today, recognises how great the luxuries were of Egypt. I remember even in primary school learning about Tutankhamun, and his tomb, and the riches that were found in it. Egypt had great, immense wealth. The monuments testifying to that are still there today in the form of the pyramids. Moses was not losing a little bit of treasure by choosing to identify with God's people. He was losing immense, legendary treasure by choosing to identify with God's people. And we see that he also didn't just gain the disgrace of being a slave, but he also gained the king's anger. In verse 27, we read, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. 
we see here that Moses didn't just go down to slave level, but he actually earned the anger of the king. Now, when was the king angry with him? Well, he was angry with him when he found out that he killed that Egyptian uh, man, as we read in Exodus chapter 2. But Moses fled at that point, and I don't think it's actually speaking of that anger of Pharaoh in this passage, because it says there that by faith, in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. Moses was afraid of the king's anger at that time. But later on, Moses came back. Why? Because, in one level, he did not fear the king's anger anymore. Even though he should have. He was coming back and the king of Egypt was very angry with him for saying, let my people go. And so what it's saying here is that by faith he left Egypt with the exodus. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So here we see that Moses didn't just lose prestige, he didn't just get mistreated and disgraced, he didn't just lose treasure, but he actually had the anger of the king of Egypt towards him for living by faith. And Moses then stands for us as a good example of the Christian life. We've been seeing in Hebrews 11 that these people are presented by the author of Hebrews to Christians as people that we should follow, as people that we should walk in the footsteps of. These are people who lived by faith and we should learn from their example. And so we can look at Moses' life and see that this is a warning for us as to what it means to live by faith. God is honest with us. He does not sugarcoat the Christian life, but instead he warns us by the life of Moses as to what a Christian life will look like. We can learn from a passage like this to us, that to associate with God's people, to live by faith, to embrace the people of God as our people, means you will lose prestige, means you can be mistreated, means that you can be disgraced in people's eyes. It means that you will lose wealth the worldly pleasures that this world has to offer. It can mean that you gain the anger of people who have great power, of people who are in authority over you. And you can see this in your own life. If you've ever identified as a Christian to people who are around you who are not Christians, you can see that you lose prestige in their eyes, that you lose honour in their eyes. This can happen with family members. The child tells the father or mother... If they're a Christian, it can go very badly for them. And vice versa, that when a parent becomes a Christian and the children are adults, the children can look down upon the parents, their very own parents, for identifying as a Christian. Work colleagues can look down on you once they find out that you're a Christian. Friends can look down on you and even distance themselves from you. And people in great positions of authority can look down upon you as well. It can be people like politicians. It can be people like the mass media who have great power, who have great influence in our society. They can look down upon you and dishonour you because you are a Christian. Now, you may think you live in Australia and there's very little disgrace that comes to you as a Christian from those who are in authority that you are not mistreated, that you still have prestige in this country because you are a Christian. But you don't have to look very far to see that this is not necessarily the case. 
For example, in just this last week in the Sydney Morning Herald, one of their columnists, Joel Mears, was speaking about same-sex marriage and speaking about the Christian position. And he wrote about the Christian position on same-sex marriage, he wrote, this is not reasoned dissent, it is the pernicious view of a bigoted group whose goal is to hurt another group of people and spread a message of hate. If you are a Christian, he has you in his sights. And he has great power because his message is disseminated across the culture. And that is how you are described by someone of great power and influence in this country. You are disgraced. You are shamed for being a Christian and holding to the biblical view of morality. Now, in our government in New South Wales, we're protected in some ways better than other governments. If you just look at the Victorian government in the last year, they've taken direct aim at Christians on many levels. Particularly, an example towards the end of last year was towards those who want to send their children to Christian schools. They took direct aim at Christian schools and wanted them to be forced to employ people who are not Christians to teach the children. That is a direct aim from people in positions of power towards Christians. We're not immune from people of positions of power in this country to taking direct aim at Christians because they are God's people. Now, even here at Dremoyne Baptist, we have seen people come in and try to influence us and to use great power against us One of the great powers in this world at the current time is social media. We see that social media is very prevalent, Facebook, Twitter in our society, and it has great influence. We actually talk about trial by by social media, that someone is photographed or caught saying something and they put it up on Facebook and a whole bunch of people then comment and deride the person for what they've done. Three years ago, we had our own trial by social media. Not many of you are aware of it, but something that we had made a public statement about something and people came to our Facebook page and let loose on it. And one of the comments on our Moines Baptist Church's Facebook page was, great to see you pathetic little bigots are helping to promote discrimination. No wonder you have so few likes on Facebook Go play with your imaginary friends, you irrelevant losers. That is direct aim at you on social media for your position about biblical truth. And it's a powerful influence. And much of the world cares about social media. You see the comment there? No wonder you have so few likes on Facebook. Now, some of you may not know what Facebook is. You may not know what likes are on Facebook, but I know many of you do. And you would know that likes on Facebook count for something. A good portion of the world is very interested in likes on Facebook. Big companies are very interested in getting likes on Facebook. But the truth of Christianity is that If you follow God's people, if you follow God and live by faith, you will get very few likes on Facebook. 
Why? Because people hate Christ and they hate his people. Jesus even warns us of this. He warns us, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. He says that in John chapter 15. And so we are mistreated by the people around us for following Jesus Christ. Now you may say, okay, yes, that's on social media, but nothing really happens to us here at Des Moines Baptist that's significantly scary. Well, just last year, I saw people sitting in the very pews that you're sitting in now, calling out, shame, 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 as the Bible was being taught, sitting here with megaphones and sirens because of our following of Jesus Christ, because of our faith in God. And we're a small church, and I think most of you would be able to testify that I don't court controversy that I'm not someone that's interested in making a name for myself here at Des Moines and getting controversial opinions out there to cause a splash. But here, I've been able to give you examples where people have invaded us and counted us as people who are worthy of being disgraced. By walking into this church this morning, you have associated yourself with those whom some would view as a bigoted group of people whose goal is to hurt others and spread a message of hate. To many, you are a disgrace in our society. And just by being here this morning, you deserve not to be liked, in the Facebook sense, but in any other sense. Now, you may say, oh, but that's not too bad. I can deal with that. It'll never get that bad in this world. I can deal with a bit of social media attention. I don't care what people say on the internet anyway. And if people come into our church and make a kerfuffle, that's not a big deal. I can deal with that. But it can get a lot, lot worse. Just consider Syria at this time. A country that was majority Christian at one point. Where we read about it in Acts where people are turning to Christ there. And now, what is the state of Christianity in Syria? Christians are an endangered species in that country. They're in danger of being wiped out altogether. And in other parts of the Middle East that were once Christian. What makes you think that that can't happen here in Australia? That people can start to systematically exterminate those who live by faith in God as we see Pharaoh was trying to do with the Israelites, where he ordered the execution of all the male babies. He was trying to exterminate the Israelite race, the people of God. And that can happen in our country as well. So you should know that if you join a church like ours, the Bible is clear that you can suffer for it, that you can be mistreated, that you can be disgraced. What happened to Moses can happen to you as well. You will lose prestige and the pleasures of this world as a result of identifying with the people here. Now, I know some people have actually been interested in membership in the last few months with me. This is what they're signing up for. And if you stay a member of this church, this is what you're signing up for. Disgrace, mistreatment, suffering, a loss of pleasure, 
for following Christ. Now, if that scares you, then you should be alert to the fact that you may be succumbing to worldly prestige and pleasure, because that is what is taken away from Moses here. Now, we've got to be careful. Power and wealth are not sins in themselves. God has great power. God has great wealth. And he is without sin. He is holy one, the Holy One. But prestige and wealth are sinful if they cause you to cut yourself off from the people of God, which was what Moses was tempted to do and what many of us would have done if we'd had Moses' status. Why bother identifying with the Israelites when I can reign here in Pharaoh's household? But prestige and wealth are used often by Satan to cut themselves off from God's people, to cut themselves off from God. It's an old strategy of Satan. What do we see when Jesus is tempted by Satan? One of the temptations that he gives to Jesus is that he can give him great power. He can give Jesus great power and the kingdoms of the world. He tried to tempt Jesus with riches and with power. And if you look at the parable of the sower that Jesus tells, there's four types of ground... One type of ground the seed falls into, thorns then grow up. What are those thorns that choke out the life of the seed and make it unfruitful? Well, it's the pleasures of this world, the riches of this world that choke it out. And if you are sitting here this morning and you are interested in prestige and you are interested in treasure and you're a little bit scared of being a Christian because of the pain that may come, Recognize that you may be succumbing to these temptations. And you should recognize that many Christians have succumbed to this, people who call themselves Christian. How many people are not in church this morning because of the pleasures of this world that, has, that the world has to offer them? They're either working, amassing wealth in this world, or they're out enjoying the pleasures of this world rather than identifying with God's people and being in church this morning. We see the Bible warns us about prestige and wealth keeping us from identifying with God's people and tells us that as a Christian it can be painful. So then what motivation do you have to sign up to be a Christian, to identify with God's people, to do what Moses did? And leave great status and be amongst those who were slaves. Well, what motivated Moses? What motivated him to leave such status? Well, there's three motivations that we see in the text. One is that he had faith in an eternal reward that would be given to him. He had faith in a God who rewards his people. Verse 26 says, He, that's Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. What motivated Moses? He recognised that the pleasures of this world are only for a short time and that the greater treasures are to come. It even says that in verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He recognised that what we have now is very temporary. Even if he reigned as king of Egypt 
for a time, with all that treasure at his disposal. It would only be for a short time. One day there would be an eternal period with far greater treasure than Egypt can offer. And he kept his eye on that. And we can do the same. We should remember that in one sense, we're all like Audrey Hepburn in that movie Roman Holiday. We're royal. We're princes and princesses. And the world revolves around us without realising it. And they look down upon us and disgrace us and mistreat us, but they don't realise the whole time we are royal. We belong to the king of kings. And one day the world will recognise our true status. And we will have that status for all of eternity. And that then helps us to endure the mistreatment, the disgrace, the loss of treasure and prestige in this world because we know that one day we will be eternally rewarded. How else was Moses motivated? Well, he was motivated because he saw that there was temporal protection even now for God's people. In verse 28, we see Moses living by faith. And what happens to him when he lives by faith? Verse 28 says, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Moses lived by faith, which meant he trusted in God and did what God said. And that included celebrating the Passover. And what was the result of him living by faith? Firstborn sons didn't die in his household or any of the Israelite households where they trusted in God. Whereas in the rest of Egypt, firstborn sons died. There was no temporal protection for the Egyptians from that plague. Whereas we see Moses was protected. He was looked after. And then when we see they crossed the Red Sea, they are protected once again in this world. In verse 29 it says, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. There was temporal protection for God's people, even in this world. They were able to go through the Red Sea on dry ground. Because God looked after them. And God does that for us in this world as well. Many of our brothers and sisters die an early death in one sense. But many of God's people are protected. And you have been protected many times without even knowing it probably. From great harm that could come to you. God looks after you. He protects you from the elements. He protects you from those who would mistreat you. How many times has something happened and you just took a few steps one way and something happened and you were saved. I had a bit of an experience of that even yesterday. Out in the backyard doing a barbecue for dinner, Joshua said, what's over here? I took a few steps over to the grass and a big branch landed right next to me from the gum tree that overhangs our backyard. Massive branch. The the tip of it got me in the back, scratched me, but the main part of it hit concrete rather than me just where I was. Some of you would say coincidence. Would you say that it was temporal protection from God himself? That he caused my little son to draw my attention away from what I was doing? Have you had an experience like that in your life? A car narrowly misses you? Temporal protection from God. And that then motivates us to be disgraced for him, to be mistreated for God, because we know we have one overshadowing us, looking after us, gathering us under his wings. What else motivated Moses? 
to be mistreated, well, we see he also recognised the invisible one. Verse 27, it says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. Why? Because he saw him who is invisible. Moses understood that God was around him. God was looking after him. God was there in all things. And this is available for the Christian as well, who lives by faith, that he sees God's hand in everything. I wish I did this more myself, that I understood God was present. I'm conscious that I think of God a lot because, let's face it, you guys pay me to do it throughout the week. I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying. It's a real privilege. But on my days off, I'm conscious that I don't think about God as much as I should have. I'm not seeing the invisible one everywhere. If I understood that God was with me in every situation, that he was conscious of all my thoughts and all my actions, I think it would give me greater joy, but I feel that I don't. I'm not seeing the invisible one as I should. But when I do see his hand, when I do see him present in all things, it does give me endurance. It does help me to persevere. Even in the face of a king's anger, I can persevere as Moses did. So we see three things that Moses did that motivated him. An eternal reward, temporal protection, invisible one being present with him. There's there's another reason why you should endure disgrace, which Moses didn't have in the way that we do, but I think relates so well with this passage. We should have faith in God because we're following the footsteps of Christ. We have Christ's example to follow. Consider Christ. He lost prestige. He lost honour by coming into this world, by being incarnated, by becoming a man and then being disgraced on the cross. He lost treasure and he even had the wrath of a king, the king of kings towards him. He had the wrath of God descend upon him. Why did he do it? Because he wished to be associated with God's people, because he had faith in the Father. He did that despite the loss. He was willing to associate with sinful people like you and me. So how can we not want to follow his example and associate with the people of God, to live by faith and follow in his footsteps? If God himself would endure shameful disgrace of the cross, how can we not endure whatever God throws at us by those in positions of authority around us? We haven't gone through a fraction of what Moses suffered, let alone Jesus Christ. Let us be motivated to do so as we look at Christ, as we look at Moses and follow in their footsteps. So if you join our church or you stay a part of our church, expect disgrace and loss of pleasure that the world and Satan has to offer those who reject God. But realise that you have great encouragements to do so, that you have protection now, you have eternal reward to look forward to. You will never be alone, that the invisible one is always with you. And you have the privilege of following in the footsteps of both Moses and, of course, Jesus Christ. And let me say this morning, I'm encouraged that so many of you do identify with God's people, that you do walk by faith, despite the opposition that comes from those around you. Now, I've shown you the carrot to be someone who follows God, to live by faith, the pleasures that will come one day, Now I think I should 
show you the stick that comes from the passage as well. That if you reject God, if you do not trust in God, if you do not live by faith, if you do not identify with God's people, if you reject him, what happens to you? Well, you can enjoy the pleasures of sin in this world for a short time. You can gain prestige and honour and people won't call you bigoted and a hateful person. But what happens to the Egyptians in this passage who reject God, who do not live by faith? Verse 29 says, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. There's a stark warning for those who do not live by faith. They entered the Red Sea, and what happened? The waters closed over them and they were drowned. It didn't matter how mighty Pharaoh's army was, how strong his warriors were, how big their chariots were and how sharp their swords were, they were drowned. And the same counts for those who reject God today. They may live for a short time and enjoy themselves, but one day they will be drowned in the wrath of God. So if you're not living by faith, recognise that this is your future described here. A world of pleasure somewhat, some prestige. People might leave you alone on social media or they may even affirm you and say good on you and you get lots of likes for holding to an unbiblical worldview. But recognise that one day you will face your maker, you will face the king of kings and you will not face him as a son, as a prince or a princess, you'll face him as an enemy. Don't do it. Beg God for mercy through Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ today and live by faith. Flee the coming wrath. Endure disgrace and mistreatment in this world for a short time so that one day you will have eternal pleasures at God's right hand in glory. Trust him. Turn from your sin today. Don't get swamped one day by God's wrath. Let's turn to God in prayer, but before I do that, let us spend a few moments in silence considering whether you are ready to endure disgrace for Christ and confess those times when you weren't willing to be mistreated, to be disgraced, when you didn't want to identify with God's people. Confess those to the Lord even now and ask for his strength to endure mistreatment for the future. Let's spend a few moments in silence. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the warning of this passage. It warns us that being part of your people does mean we will be mistreated, does mean we will be disgraced, that we will lose much in this world, much of the pleasure that the world has to offer. But Lord, we thank you that it gives us wonderful motivation to live by faith, that there is eternal reward, that there is even temporal protection in this world. But Lord, we thank you that it also reminds us that you, the invisible one, are with us. And we can face the anger of anyone in this world if we know that you are with us. 
So Lord, help us to overcome that temptation, to embrace the honour of this world, to embrace the pleasures that this world has to offer. Help us to be willing to be mistreated and disgraced because you are with us and we walk by faith. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.